0: Any views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of WSIC.
1: All systems are a go.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, hold
0: on to your seats. Taking care of Iredell with North Carolina
3: State Representative Jeff McNeely is about to begin. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Good morning, Iredell County. Hope everybody's doing well on this Monday morning. It's a nice day out there, folks. Get outside, do what you need to do. I think some rain's coming here in the next couple days, so today is your day. Hey, uh, had a busy week last week and took it all the way to about 2.30 Friday morning to get everything done. So I uh, got the speaker, uh, Mr. Tim Moore from Cleveland County Representative, going to call in the uh, second part of the show, and we're going to talk about some of the some of the good things that we have in this budget. It took a while to percolate, but we finally got it going, and uh, I'm, I'm well pleased with it, and Idle County did well. Uh, we did a good job, a uh, team, bringing it back here for us to – be able to invest in stuff in Iredell County. Some of our tax dollars return to us. So, uh, you know, uh, right now looking about $30 billion budget. Um, if you look at both sides of the biennium to your budget, uh, each one of them running right around $30 billion. So uh, got a lot of good stuff in it. Um, we could go down through the list, but I don't want to talk about the whole thing till I get Tim on here. But we did spend a lot of money. Uh, we got different things going on for teachers. Uh, about seven and a half percent raise on them, uh, highway patrol, so um, just tried to raise everybody. Uh, I think it was about uh six and a half seven percent on state employees, put money in the rainy day fund. it's up to about five billion so we can take care of ourselves if something should go wrong out on the coast, and that's just a matter of time so. Uh, Be ready for that. One thing we did get done, too, on Thursday night, uh, we came back in at about uh, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And and a lot of people wonder, well, why were y'all there at midnight doing things? Well, uh, here was the deal. Trying to get this thing scheduled, we thought we were going to vote Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. ended up more like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Before we could get everything worked out in the budget and all the I's dotted and T's crossed, so we could vote on it. And after doing a little bit of uh, polling, we realized that we would not have as many members at 9 o'clock on Friday morning as we would, unfortunately, at at 12.01 on Friday morning. So um, ended up, that added about an extra 12 votes to the budget by doing it at midnight. So it wasn't, we were trying to hide anything. Pull anything over on anybody, do anything. It's just that we could get that many to participate. So many people had already made doctors' appointments and understand, you know, this budget's a little overdue, and so a lot of people have made plans for here, or there, and you know, it's hard to plan your life out when you don't really know your work schedule. So you got to stay very flexible. I know that's the way it is with me. Um, so I just don't try to plan anything until we get this budget done. So now life may be a little bit easier. So if anybody wants to call in, and talk about the budget or anything anything at all 704-873-1400 looks like we already got somebody hit the line didn't we all right let's see who we got here bring them up joe hey this is representative jeff mcneighley who we got
0: good morning jeff this is william
3: hello sir how are you
0: all right. It gives you a sense of accomplishment after what you and Vicki and others did this week, this past week, doesn't it?
3: Well, yeah. You know, I have no idea what it's like to birth a baby, but it can't be easy because the budget wasn't, and it took nine months just like a baby. So we finally got well, it done. Well, you know,
0: <laughs> it, it's, it's a hard enough job as it is to try to budget. I mean, it's trying to budget your household. It's just the same thing with a state, same thing with the country, the concept of it. But when you have a governor like we have that wants to veto every sheet of paper that comes across his desk, it just makes it even more difficult and frustrating. Oh, I know. Uh, I just wanted to thank you um, and thank Vicki. I didn't get a chance to thank Vicki. She was actually – she's in Raleigh last week, so she wasn't – she called in on her show but didn't get to actually thank her. But um, maybe I'll get to thank her this week coming up. But, yeah, it's just – it's a sense of accomplishment. But one of my questions – um, I didn't read all of the budget and where the money's going to be distributed. Some of it, obviously, we know. Um, do you know if any of that money that the budget um, in North Carolina is going to go to uh, pertaining to the street projects that are going on in, in the Cornelius area and Lake Norman?
3: Well, I, you know, that's all in the step, so I'll have to take a look at each each project's kind of individual. One of the big ones we've been talking to, and, and now they've switched uh, – secretaries of the Department of Transportation, which here we start all over again in a way, um, but Joey Harrington, he understands it too, is, is trying to get the Cornelius Road exit open Get that done before they really start on 150. For some reason or another, they're wanting to do it backwards, and that's just going to be a nightmare. Uh, if we could get Cornelius yeah. Road exit established, and you could back feed into 150 on that one side anyway, and that would just help tremendously on all the congestion that's going to happen. If you think traffic's bad in Mooresville now, folks, wait till we start working on 150. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> no. we've got to get
0: one. It's kind of like building a bridge, a new bridge. You got to. You got to put a temporary bridge in and let people cross over that while you reconstruct the old bridge or, yep. or whatnot. So it's kind of yeah, you got to to go hand in hand. You got to try to try to get something else going before you can start on another project for sure. The
3: uh, the best uh, part. Yeah, yeah, go to, ahead. Go ahead.
0: Just wanted to call in and la- and thank you for you know for your hard work because I I don't know what it's like to sit in your chair. No more, and you probably know what it's like to sit in my chair. But we ought to know that there's there's pros and cons to both sides, and um, you just have to try to work together. and And North Carolina, um, you know, those people up there in Washington D.C. need to take note of what we're doing here in North Carolina. Maybe they can um, maybe some of that good stuff that we got going on in this state can rub off up in the deep state. We can only
3: hope, right? Well, yeah, we're just trying to do common sense legislation. I mean, I that's one of the things. I, every time I usually get up on the floor with one of my bills, I always say, once again, I'm bringing you common sense legislation. <laughs> and, and it is. That's what right. I try. Uh, right. uh, you know, it's just one thing I will tell you that will help with the transportation side is, and some people aren't going to like it, but we are actually uh, the, the people with electric vehicles, uh, they will have to pay a, a road tax. It will be $150 or 155 I think it is, a year. So, uh, And that's probably not as much as they should, but it's a start. So, you know, that was one of their big selling points. Oh, you don't have to pay road tax because you're not buying gasoline. Well, okay, we're still on the road. You're still using the road, so there is no uh, free puppy. So we enacted yeah, I, that. And that's going to help bring some more revenue in to keep these roads up sure. and build them because we were revenue Absolutely. struggling.
0: Part two, just because they're not burning fossil fuel doesn't mean like what you just said, they're using the highway just like a fossil burning fuel vehicle is. It's one, you know, it's the same concept there. But, yeah, um, we're right now, what we're doing and what we have been doing for years is hiring those people up there in Washington, D.C., just to kick the can down further down the road. And that's all they're probably going to do with their budget up there. Um, the end of this week, you know, McCarthy's probably going to come up with something to kick the can down the road a little further and buy a little bit more time. But, you know, if Washington, D.C. would just stop and take a look at what individual states are doing in the union, they might could take a lesson from it and learn something from it and maybe try to operate their business up there, just like we're trying to operate our business here. And overall, as Americans, we'd be better off, in my opinion.
3: Well, I, I'm not going to argue with you one bit on that. I'm not, because, like I said, you know, the craziness we get from them, we have to go ahead and enact laws here to be the buffer to give us good legal standing for when the lawsuit comes. Now, how's that? How is that good government? How? I don't know. Hey, William, we got to take a break. I don't know if you you're done or if you want to hang through the break. Yeah, we'll talk more. some more. Thank you, Jeff. All right, Thank you, Jeff. appreciate you. All right, folks, we'll be back here this short. got to pay the bills. All right. Back here with the, uh, I guess, middle part of the show, as we'll say, Joe, Uh, and and talked a little bit about the budget here. We're going to talk more about it when we get Speaker Tim Moore on. Uh, One one thing I did want to bring up, too, is, uh, like I said, at about probably Thursday night, about 10 o'clock, I was able to get House Bill 563 passed out of the House and over to the Senate, and that's a bill that uh, that me, Wayne Sasser, uh, Tricia Coffin, uh, Ken Fortnot, we've all been working on for about as long as we have the budget, uh, and it's to regulate uh, the CBD hemp industry, uh, your Deltas that you see all the time at these smoke shops, your Delta 8s, your Delta 10s, uh, who knows where they're going to go with the numbers, but a uh, really good bill. Right now there is no age limit. Packaging is kind of wild, wild west. So this will help uh, with getting packaging, uh, childproof, labeled, uh, ingredients in it. Uh, this will also set up quality control. It will put a, a age limit at 18. Uh, you have to be at least 18 to purchase these products. ALE tells us that, you know, they feel like three-fourths of the young people right now. That's a gateway for them to get to marijuana with these drugs or these products. They're not drugs, we hope, as long as they're under .3 THC, Delta 9. So uh, a pretty encompassing bill, licensure program. So you have, if you're going to uh, manufacture, distribute, sell, you have to have a license for those things so that we can actually uh, identify who is working in the state and what right now. We don't know where the products are coming from. A lot of them, we believe, are coming from out of the country. And we don't know what all is in them, especially with the fentanyl. Uh, rise that's going on uh, this is very concerning for me and our youth in our country or all of us but especially our youth and um, anything I can do to try to protect them uh, I will and so we were really uh, really glad to see this bill move forward hopefully we can get it done before we adjourn clocks ticking we know that but that's the way it works sometimes so it's had a lot of things to work out All kind of agencies we worked with, DOR, Department of Revenue, that is, um, Department of Corrections, as far as incarceration, ALE, I can just go on and on with every acronym you can think of in state government that we really worked with. Uh, Going on real quick, like I said, anybody want to call in, please do, 704-873-1400. we got a little bit before we go to our break and pick up our speaker. Uh, Kevin McCarthy Got his work cut out for him, trying to get a stopgap budget to keep the federal government working for about another 30 to 45 days. We've got a call. Them. All right, let's go ahead and take it. We'll see what we got here. Hey, this is Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got?
4: Hey, you got Steve from uh, the Statesville area.
3: Hey, sir, how are you?
4: I'm doing great, and I appreciate what you're doing, working uh, for the, the county and the state, and appreciate you being on the show and all and I'm not, it's no reflection upon you or Vicki Sawyer, uh, but overall, the Republican Party, um, I don't think we're getting our brand out, and, and what is our message? I listen to a lot of uh, talk show radios, national and federal politics, and I don't believe that the Republican Party really has a message going right now. Um, and I don't know what your thoughts are, and... And another point is that with the uh, local Republican Party, uh, they don't seem to be doing too much uh, as far as getting their message out either. I worked for the party on the uh, campaign, and I never received a thank you or nothing. They never called me back for anything. And why I think this is important is I, when I was younger, as was a liberal. And I worked for a Democratic candidate, but I also thought of working for a Republican candidate. And Republican candidate, even though I worked against this campaign, uh, he sent me a thank you through the mail. So I just want to get your kind of thoughts on this. Thank you so much.
3: Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I hope that the uh, Republican Party is resonating with a lot of people. If nothing else, uh, I, I feel like uh, it's kind of like I tell my wife sometimes. I don't feel like I got to do anything really special. I just need to stand still long enough and watch everybody else, which would be the uh, Democrat Party, go crazy, and I'll start to look pretty good. Now, maybe that's not a great messaging, but that's kind of where we're at. Uh, you know, we're going to be the party of, of, of liberty and security and free choice. So we'll go ahead and take that off there. So, uh, but we're also going to be the party that uh, you know we're going to make sure that you're safe at night. Uh, we're gonna help our law enforcement. We're gonna make sure our military's strong. So we're gonna do all the things that keeps America strong. And that's that's our that's where we're at and that's our party. So we got another caller. All right, let's take it. Hey, this is Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got?
1: Hi, Jeff. This
3: hey. is Deborah. Hey Deborah, how are you doing? I'm
1: trying to be just fine,
3: sir. Good to talk Hi. to you. Um wanting
1: to call in and respond to somebody's not doing their job. We are overrun with people coming across that border. Amen. And COVID. Let's go back to the start of that. Uh, This uh, administration, they've put all of our lives on the line, uh, letting these people come across, uh, get this shot, then get your booster shot, do this, do that. Uh, Nobody's winning at this point. Uh, Our country, we're losing it. And people are dying uh, from that COVID and lost their lives when it hit. We were barely recovering from that. And then all of a sudden, he's opening up the border. And I hear uh probably about 30 minutes ago 11,000 coming into this country overnight. Yep. Yeah. What in the God's name is going on? God, explain something.
3: I, you know, the, the Biden administration here the other day said they were going to allow 415,000 Venezuelans work permits. Well, they thought that was for the 415,000 that were already here. Evidently, the people in Venezuela heard that, and now they started marching towards our border, and there, there's thousands, tens of thousands of Venezuelans coming, hoping somehow or another they can get included in that 415,000 worker permit that we're allowed to, for, for illegal aliens. So uh, you know, I always say, if you want more of something, just just subsidize it, figure out a way to help it, and, and it'll grow. And there you go. And that's what we're doing. So we're asking to be invaded, and we're wanting them to invade us. It looks like.
1: I promise you, they they they're making promises to these people. Uh, they're coming for a better way of life. They say they're fleeing their home countries for a better way of life. Uh, they then said a lie. Because uh, everybody's suffering here. Why don't they put a message over TV in these other countries uh, saying, don't come? Why don't they stop these people from putting themselves through it? And these babies, all those babies uh, that they're letting through, uh, I don't want nothing bad happening to no one. And I pray for everyone. But I can honestly see somebody's, somebody's just not doing their job.
3: Well, you know, theoretically, the reason that you have countries that have borders is to make sure that you can take care of your people inside your border. And it's not necessarily your job to take care of the whole rest of the world outside of your border. It's whether you choose to or not. And we make this choice. I don't think it's really been approved by anybody. It's just been a thing that's been allowed to happen. Administration before this. We had, we had got our immigration policies, I felt like, pretty much under control. Now it's the wild, wild west. And according to a lot of the border control people down there, they're saying this is kind of a ploy for the cartels. that that this is great for them as long as they're keeping all the border agents busy with people trying to cross over the Rio Grande and here and there, it allows them easy access into the rest of the United States with their fentanyl and all their drugs and everything. So it's almost like, you know, we're going to start a fire over here so we can slip by you over here. And, And so they're saying they don't have the manpower to control all the people coming across plus all the drugs that are coming across and back and forth.
1: Well, I certainly know that they've been fed a lie, and all we the people were getting lied to, too. Uh, and where they say they're going to let them, uh, Joe Biden, 180 days here on a visa. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know how many people going to be put out of work that really are Americans? Uh, they're literally going to lose jobs, and these others are going to come through. And I believe they're trying to push the American children out of the public schools. And letting these other people come, I don't have a problem with immigration. If they come the right way. But when they come, and and you don't even know who's in our country, we have a lot on the table. Somebody needs to start cleaning this mess up, and it is out of hand. Uh, I I pray for all, and I pray that they'll they'll run an ad in the other country. Somehow get these people to stop coming. Because they're not fleeing their country for a better way of life. Because we don't have it all that grand over here. If you think about it and look at the, uh, what we've been through.
3: Uh, well, which- the bad thing is we're gonna we're gonna take care of them. We get here. We're gonna feed them. We're gonna put them up. We're gonna do a lot of things for them that they probably don't have now. So, I mean, that's just an enticement. And so there's a there's a, a roadway right through the jungles of South America up through Panama, and and I can't believe on the way they're not stealing and looting everything they can to get here because you can't carry but so much food with you so That's I don't know. It, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. That's coming
1: next and Jeff I thank you for taking my call and just everybody pray for our country because we're certainly needing everybody to be on board with praying to God. He is answering our prayers, I know it.
3: Amen. Jeff,
1: God bless you. Have a safe day and thank you for taking my call. Okay. Thank
3: you, Debbie. You take care. Okay, See you, huh. Bye bye. Right. Hey getting back to it, like I said, Kevin McCartney's got an uphill job. He's gotta to try to get this done. You get the Freedom Caucus and the Main Street Caucus going back and forth with each other, trying to get a bill. And on top of that, the House has began their inquiry on impeachment of Joe Biden. I remember when impeachment was one of these rare things. Seems like now, after the Democrats went crazy with Donald Trump, it just threw it around everywhere. So I guess we're just trying to get rid of everybody. Call in. What is it? Doing all the different voting and everything else. Uh, also, Chuck Schumer last week, real quick, got to get this in, dismissed a dress code in the Senate floor so that John Fetterman, Pennsylvania Democrat, could wear his shorts and hoodie. Now, I like wearing shorts and I like wearing hoodies, but I think when I show up, I need to show up and look like I'm somebody. So just saying. All right. Hang on. Come back. We got 10 more. All right, folks. We got the second half of the show here, and we got our guest on speaker Tim Moore from down in Cleveland County. Tim, are you there?
2: Yes, sir. Good to be with you, Jeff. Hope you're well today.
3: I'm doing well. I hope you are, sir. We kind of a kind of a harried week last week, but we got it done, uh, and glad to see it get across the finish line. So it was a good day. It was a good day. Sir,
2: yes, sir. Glad to finally get the budget passed. Of course the Governor has announced that he's not going to not going to sign it, but not going to veto it. So, uh, hey, I'll take that. That means the budget will be signed, will we'll go into law, and there's a lot of resources, a lot of funds being spread around all around the entire part of the state, including Iredale County and, and, and Western North Carolina. It's uh, very proud of it. Proud of the tax relief, the regulatory reform. So, hey, I'd say. Jeff, I'd say we earned $104 a day this
3: night. You know, I'd say every cent of it, every cent of it. And, you know, I, it, part of me, of course, you know, not really with, with Roy Cooper, but a part of me thinks that, you know, okay, he doesn't like, you know, that as we always hear, oh, y'all could have done more, you could have done more. Well, yeah, you can, you can go broke doing that too, so we got to look at, you know, reoccurring funds all the time. Uh, I, I think we did good, uh, but but I'm kind of surprised he doesn't sign this because it has the Medicaid expansion in it that that he bet his soul on, and and it finally has happened. And in my opinion, he gets no credit at all for it with not signing it.
2: You know that it isn't that the irony that uh, this has been the piece of legislation he has been talking about for. Seven, eight years now. And then when it comes time to actually execute, uh, he's not signing it. So, uh, uh, but that's, you know, uh, that's to be expected. We'll see if he shows up for. Uh <laughs> for ribbon cuttings for projects uh, that were funded
3: in this budget that he didn't support either. Oh, I, I, you know he's going to do that. He's, he's continued to do that every budget cycle. He's took credit for wherever he could, but yet he doesn't want to his, have his, anything on his hands, I guess. Hey, and, you know, we talked about this now that on the tax cut relief. We're like $1.2 billion for the families and businesses just over the next two years in North Carolina. That's a huge amount of money in two years, tax relief.
2: This budget represents probably the culmination of the largest tax cut in the history of the state, and particularly if you take it into account over the budget cycle that, that, you know, the preceding two years. We now in North Carolina, North Carolinians pay less taxes right now than in anyone's lifetime. So, and that's alive. So it is, absolutely incredible and of course you have been a big part of that you gray mills the big sawyer have all worked uh tirelessly to get help us get where we are and I, I you know it's it's a big part of why north carolina is doing so well on the uh nationally right now while we continue to be one of the top ranked states or actually number one in the country yeah,
3: yeah. And, you know and the teacher salaries, I, I know the house we had originally been like eleven percent. I think it was seven and four. Of course, you know, big bad Senate always wants to come and and rain on the parade or whatever. But still, seven and a half is not a bad pay. Is not a bad pay increase at all. It's a pretty good one. I inflation it causes a lot of problems, but we didn't we didn't create inflation. That would be the Biden administration and the federal overspending. That created it. We still have to work within our means, and know that that's a reoccurring cost that will be from now on. Because every time you add to a salary, you keep paying that. So that that to me, like I said, and we we actually did really good with the state troopers. We tried to help them. So a lot of good things. You want to talk a little bit about salaries?
2: Absolutely, of course. The the salary increases that were passed this year are very significant. Uh, while the original house budget did even more. You know, there was a uh, the, the Senate wanted to take a more cautionary approach to it. And I think that what I think will happen, though, is even though we do have these very good raises that passed in, I think, 7%, I would expect that when we come back next year that you may see some increases as well. Uh, but we also did a 4% COLA bonus, cost of living bonus, for our state retirees. Uh, you mentioned the highway patrol. I forget what that percentage is, but it, I, I it was, was like saying, sixteen
3: total with step and everything. It was about sixteen percent.
2: I think that's right. I mean that that's huge because we were seeing troopers that basically being poached by other states and by by some of the larger police departments in the state. And so, you know, the, the, the men and women who service highway highway uh, patrol state troopers, they want to stay there, but at the same time, they would tell you. So they're proud to be a member of the highway patrol. They want to stay, but when they can go work for another agency and earn 10 grand a year more, they, they, they kind of have to look and say, you know, that they're doing right by themselves and by their families. And so you're, I think you're going to see that fix that. We also gave significant raises for our assistant VAs that prosecute crimes. That's a big deal.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, we, we try to be smart about it. we, and then we know we gave what's called strategic money, that can be used for hard to recruit or hard to retain positions. One example is nursing instructors. We know that healthcare continues to be a growing industry. The needs on healthcare with an aging population. We need more and more folks to be working in healthcare and to be nurses. And so, what was getting covered was getting paying for the the nursing instructors to teach the next generation of nurses. And so we had to give money to allow for significant increases there.
3: That's just one example. And, and you know, one thing, too, that that is kind of always forgotten about, but we've, we're critically short on that, is, is school bus drivers, and, and we went to 9% on them. And, and we've got to take a look at all the requirements they make people do to be a bus driver. I, I know we want to protect our children, but you can drive a tractor-trailer. With the same amount of training they do and, and and then you gotta compete against that and it's just crazy. So we gotta gotta take yep. a look. But but hey, nine percent, that's a pretty good jump. That's a pretty good jump.
2: That's a really good jump. And you know, whenever we hear from folks that talk about in paying more, paying more, one thing that I tell folks, and you may do the same, is like at the end of the day it's not coming out of my pocket, it's the taxpayers' dollars and we but so if we have a double duty, we have a duty to take care of our state employees and teachers. But we also have a duty to make sure that we're doing right by the, by the taxpayers, uh, that we're responsible in how we use the money. So I think it, th- this year is sort of a tale of two stories. One is, of course, uh, uh, you know, tax cuts, responsible use of money, making sure that we're, as you said, living within our means, that we, or we're we paying off debt. I mean, it, it's a well, well-run state fiscally. Uh, and then we balanced that with putting substantial resources and assets into capital projects, putting money into the pay raises, uh, investing in you know, more schools, better roads, putting money in for water and sewer and yes. broadband. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, it really was a balance. And I think it really it really is firing on all cylinders to get all of those things done in one budget.
3: Well, I, you know, and and I think a lot of people got to understand the teachers, the state employees. Uh, all right, so we're, we're giving you a raise. Don't forget the tax cut we're giving, which is going to add to your salary because we're going to quit taking as much from you. So yep. it, it, if you look at it that way, we don't really talk about cumulative. But if you look at it that way, with the tax with the tax cuts we gave you and the raises, you're you're above seven point five. You're more like ten so you, you know you've got to understand how the whole game works it's what you take home at the end of the day that's what counts and, sure. and and now you touched on the water and sewer and you know we since I've been there and it's not been that long since 19 we have spent an unbelievable amount of money on North Carolina's infrastructure and most of it you can't see it's all underneath you the water so, the sewer so I would-
2: Right, so so, and I would say I think this year we spent over a billion. Yeah, and we spent over. We've probably spent in the last four years, Jeff. We probably spent. Uh, I know we have spent over three billion dollars on water and sewer infrastructure.
3: Yeah, it, it, I mean, really, if you look at it, they're saying count, if you, we count the federal money that was out there too, we're we're too big in this year if counting all the federal funds that were released plus yep. that. So, I mean, you know, that's the thing people don't understand. We got money for City of Statesville, the budget before and this time now. Every time we help with the water sewer project, that's one less cent or two cent or three cent on your tax that you don't have to pay uh, for, your, for your local taxes. So these tax breaks, they're, they're helping. That people don't see it or don't realize what allowing these water projects to be funded with money coming from the state instead of local, how much that takes away from your local tax bill. It's amazing. Oh. Jeff, yes, can you hear me? Now, I got you back here. I lost you for a second. I lost you Hello? for a second. Hey. Uh, uh. Oh, we may, he may have some cellular difficulty. We're still working on the cellular. Uh, here, I think we got him back. Hey, uh-huh. I, I think we got you back. Hey, Tim. Is he up? I ah, thought we had him. Hang on a second. We're going to see if we can bring him back on. A lot of big things we did. School capital investment, you know, it totaled a, it totaled a billion bucks that we're going to put into doing on school capital. So transportation investment, $2.5 billion. You know, William asked about that. So we got stuff out there, folks. We really do. So we're going to take a break. Hopefully we can get Tim back on here in the next second or two, and we'll have him back for the last part of the show. All right, hold tight. All right, folks, we're getting back in there. We're trying to get Tim back on the line here. He may have a little bit of sailor issues. issue coming in and out. So, anyway, but we can talk a little bit about the budget ourselves, a lot of different things going on in it. Uh, like I said, uh, workforce development, uh, spent a lot of money there, about $400 million uh, on that because we got a lot of projects that have come to North Carolina, so we need to have a trained workforce. So that's all important. You know, some of the things that I really worked on on the agricultural natural resources that's, that's my community. I uh, got $25 million in there for farmland preservation. Uh, we're losing farmland like it's going out of style right now. House, between houses and solar farms, it's going quickly. Also got $12 million uh, into the food banks across the state. Now, we gave a lot of money the last time. A lot of that was used for infrastructure. So, But this here, like I said, this is more going to be more along the lines of actual food for them. Uh, and so, you know, we had a lot of run short. And some of that had to actually do. We had the money, but the federal part fell through. Because a lot of stuff, what we do is through the USDA, where we actually buy it from them at a discounted rate. Well, they ran out of protein. It got to the point, I know, at one time, about the only protein product they had over at the Winston Food Bank, which comes back to Ireland, is hot dogs. And, and, you know, I called up everybody I knew we raised cane because I knew we'd put a lot of money in the last budget. I think we may have him. So let's see if we can pull him up and see what we got here. Tim, are you there? Hey, Tim. We're having technical
2: problems, apparently. There we yes, go. Yes, I'm right.
3: here. We're back. We're back then. All right, just talking a little bit about what we're doing on the ag side. You know, and there we spent a lot of money on disaster resilience. You know, we got about 37, uh, $38 million we did on flood resistance and working through soil and water. Um, so did a lot of different things in the budget, cashed all these different things. But, you know, one of the things we did also is we did a lot of stuff for the veterans, and it's not easy for us here at the state level you know, most of that's federal, but we did do a lot. And one of the things that actually got back, we were able to get money back here uh, for transitional housing down in Mooresville. I got got $6 million to that. I think it's going to end up running. Maybe Purple Heart Homes is going to head to operation, but we got that done. So just big things going on for our veterans. All that we can do in the state, we're doing.
2: Well, that's true. And, and don't forget, you know, that last year we passed legislation to make uh, military – retirement tax-exempt in North Carolina. Uh, that, that is, I mean, that has been absolutely huge.
0: Yeah. And then, of
2: course, you take all of these other resources that have been put in to help veterans, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's in housing, whether it's education, whether it's health care, uh, whether it's the access, you know, for, you know, there's a population that needs help with access to behavioral health. All of these things, state has really stepped up in a significant way because we know we hear, we hear veterans, for example, complain a lot about the VA, and we said, you know, we want the state to be able to offer help, and not just be relying on the federal system, particularly when the federal system, Eddie would say, is not doing all it should be doing for program.
3: Yeah, uh, and, and you know, if we're gonna give you the, we're gonna keep a lot of the veterans here. Once they retire from the military, they're gonna stay here because of uh, what we've done for their retirement, and not taxing them. So I know we put money about thirteen mil. Uh, aside for uh, for veteran children scholarships to help that. So doing everything we can with our UNC system and trying to keep the, 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 the people that service us or are, are in the services uh, here in North Carolina and their families that they raise here. So just trying to make this, I'd say we're the most veteran-friendly state in the union, in my opinion. Yep, 100%. percent i I say it. If there's
2: anybody doing it, Better than North Carolina, I don't know who they are. Uh, because, we, I mean, you look at where we are in terms of the military bases we have, uh, folks moving here, uh, folks moving to stay here because of quality of life, particularly those veterans who are saying, we're staying, just recognizing that North Carolina is really stepping up to be absolutely the most veteran and military friendly state in the country.
3: Well, all right, let, let's take a step away from the budget. You know, there were some other bills that we got done that were really important, too, right before midnight, and one of them was our regulatory reform bill that we run every, uh, every session. And, and so we got that through, and that provided a lot of relief on a lot of different regulations that, that really don't turn out like everybody thought they would. They have unintended consequences.
2: Well, 100 percent. You know, the budget really overshadowed everything, but but really also important, as you pointed out, was the regulatory reform bill. And what that is, that's where every year we look and see, okay, what is it that government is doing right, but more importantly, what is the government is doing wrong? What, where are we, where are we putting unnecessary mandates on people or businesses? You name it. And so we, get a, we spend a lot of time looking at that. We have several committees that look at it. And every year we're able to find more and more things that we can change and reform to basically return power to individuals and take power out of the hands of government to reduce the cost of doing business in the state. Would you, Do you know that years ago, and this is uh, before uh, our majority was in place, one of the biggest complaints, Jeff, that we would hear from someone wanting to open a business that there were just continual barriers one after the other when someone would try to open a the business there were multiple agencies that all wanted to simply say no it made oh, yeah. no sense and so the changes that have been made over this last you know 12 uh, 14 years have really moved us move north carolina in a different direction to where we're now you know one of the as said uh, CNBC uh, wall street journal all these publications rank up number one state in the country for business and it's not just tax not just money in education it's not all that it's also what artificial barriers exist in business and we have cleared up a lot of that but every year we find a little bit more and a little bit more and so oh, that that legislation was passed overwhelmingly not sure if the governor is going to sign it or veto it i
3: probably probably veto,
2: veto it <laughs> and if we
3: do, if he does, we have the most oversight. That's right. That's right. Well, one bill that I thought was really unique, and, and I thought it, to me it was very bipartisan, but obviously the other side doesn't like it, was the elections bill where the state board of elections would now become a. It's a four. Was it was a four-person board or a six-person board. I can't remember that part. Uh, I believe it's a uh,
2: I believe the county board would be a uh, would be a, a four person board. yeah and
3: the, and the state board also yeah because uh, it would and be the house, ha- house it would be the speaker, the I think, the, I think the state board will
2: be I think the state board will be an eight person.
3: but, uh, but an even number put out there by both Democrat and Republican. So no one no one party actually has a majority on the board. They'll have to learn to work together. If they're going to change something so nobody can actually do something, you know, this way, it's all out and open. I think this is a wonderful idea.
2: It's extremely important because, you know, we we have folks who are concerned about the integrity of our election. And at the end of the day, when it comes to the election administration, you don't need one party in charge of it. It needs to be truly bipartisan where you have an equal number of Republicans and Democrats and where you force conversation to happen and where folks have to work together. That's the way it should be. You shouldn't have decisions about early voting and precincts and administrative things being made by one party over the other, or one party could try to get a partisan advantage over the other. Uh, The thing that we as Republicans have been saying for years is give us a level playing field. That requires photo ID for voting. That should be common sense. Uh, count the ballots on election day, uh, and have open, fair, and free elections. That is what we have been saying from day one. And those on the far left just can't seem to – it's like they have to have the system rigged to be oh, happy. Yeah. It just, it, and, I, and I hate saying that, but it just feels that way because, I mean, the biggest complaint they had was was that it was going to be an equally bipartisan board <laughs> because, yeah. because they wanted control. I mean, that shows right there. To me, that shows they're not interested in being fair. They're interested in them having every advantage they can to win.
3: Well, and you know, right now, if you look at the polls, Mark Robinson, Republican, is in the lead over Josh Stein, the Democrat. So we, we actually, you know, we kind of gave up something, in my opinion. There's a good chance that we would have control of the board, and then we could shift and do, but that's not what we want. And, and that's what even makes it more suspicious to me, is we're willing to take the, the gamble, whatever you want to call it. Not them, uh-uh, no. So, you know, I, what's the deal? When you, if you don't want something that's equal and fair, then I got to think you're up to something.
2: Right. I, that, exactly. I mean, we're we're taking a position, we're taking a political position that arguably it you know, would be against our least short term or maybe long term partisan advantage, but we're doing it because we think and we know that that is the right position to take, that it's the right thing to do, and and I'm very proud of that. But.
3: Well, I am too, and, and I'm sure he's going to veto it, but that's okay. That's okay. we we'll, are we'll, definitely override that, and that's going to be something that I think is going to be unique for generations to come uh, is is we will now have to play together, and so that's important. That's real important. So anyway, well, Tim. That's it. I, we're about and, and,
2: by, and by the way, Jeff, it's important to mention, we didn't say this during the opening thing about the budget. Our budget passed with, what was it, five or six Democrats? Yep. Yep. join Republicans to vote
3: for it. Yep, so we did get a few. Hey, I got to go. I appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much, Tim. All right. Good to be with you. See you, ma'am. Bye. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for many blessings. Pray for wisdom. Pray for guidance always. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, folks. Till then, we'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to North Carolina Representative Jeff McNeely. Join Jeff again next Monday morning at 1105 for Taking Care of Iredell on News Talk
0: WSIC.